Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Ori Express, where we find ourselves still in the depths of a cave. But first, as we like to do, we like to thank all of our listeners and all of our Patreon supporters. We truly appreciate all your support over the years, and we know, without fail, we will have you in our corner as we make the turns that 2023 offers. And so, at the top of the show, as we like to do, we'd like to introduce you the cast. So, to my right. Hi there, this is Mike, and I play Mr. James Robert Fraser. And uh, I got stuck in a very narrow passage, but I'm all right now. <laughs> yes, um, it seems that your compatriots, or I should say your fellow investigators, felt it necessary to um, see how the sausage is made here in the caverns with you, uh, to maybe your unfortunate end. Yeah, my end was rather unfortunate in that narrow passage. <laughs> Indeed. Battered and bruised, but not broken, not yet. But not broken yet. So, to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, this is Rena. play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm doing some sightseeing. Doing a lot of things. We haven't seen Lady Elizabeth for a little while on camera. I wonder what they got up to. I'm certain we'll find out at the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and... Simon's not thrilled that Mr. Thompson was cranky last time. Yeah, I can't blame you there. A cranky Thompson, especially one that decides to um, remind everyone else around it that it's cranky, not the most favorable thing. And to Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I'm so happy to hear Rena's voice this week because I am desperate to find Lady Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, for all sorts of things. You see... It seems, anyway, that Miss Bellinger has put all the puzzle pieces together, and now her compatriots around her, or her fellow investigators, depending on who they are, are a little bit uh, erstwhile, and that is really beginning to turn the screw with Miss Bellinger, and she'd really, really like to just get on with it. We are in the missing professor formation this evening. When last we saw the professor, he was just not but 10 feet or so away from Miss Bellinger as they'd entered a cave. We'll check in with him in a little while. At the top of the show, though, because it is a new month, a new you, we are going to have our investigator refresh of their wonderful luck stat. And so I will invite them in introductory order to roll their luck, and then we'll determine how much they get. All righty. I currently have a, a plethora of luck. Um... My luck is sitting at 71. Quite how that's happened, I really don't know, but let's see what the dice say. Well, that's a 64, so that is a successful luck roll. Indeed it is. I'll be using my wonderful Eldritch Glam Dice from Odd Duck Dice to roll you some luck. And that's seven points, sir. Well, thank you very much. Alrighty, and Lady Elizabeth? 
me. So my luck is currently at 55. And of course, I rolled a zero three. <laughs> so. All right. Well, and you still get eight points of luck. Oh, nice. Not going to complain about that at all. Better than a sharp stick in the eye. Mr. Griffith, go ahead and give us a luck roll. Well, let's see if I can make this one again like last time. I have 11 luck. That's a 95. Well, sounds like you get a little more luck than usual. Oh, wow. 19 points of luck. That puts me at 30, which means I'm dangerous. No, 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 sir. You're useful. Possibly dangerous. Miss Bellinger. Miss Bellinger currently has 16 luck because I cannot help myself. I continue to spend it. I rolled a 55. Ooh, right. And that is 15 points of luck. He may live to live, may live to see another day then, but probably not. I'll just spend the luck. We, we know you, we know you, you are a, um, you, you are such a exciting and exuberant luck spender. I, I truly appreciate it. All righty. So we are going to raise the curtain tonight in a deep and foreboding passageway. So Lady Elizabeth, something came over you very recently, a, a need a serious and dedicated need inside of you to complete something, to find a, pa a path which would lead you to that completion. You feel as if there is a, a burden within yourself that is locked away. And you have recently found that in an object, a medallion that you have taken hold of. It's been very important for you to have this medallion in your hands. You've done whatever you can to make sure that no one else touches it. And even as the chaos descended around you and as Maggie and Richard and Simon's voices once fraught with discussion and argument about where to go, you, you felt them all sort of just drift back into the background as if they were less important. And you began walking, maybe very carefully creeping into a darker passage away from them, away from the voices, away from all of the shouting and the, the loud echoey noises. What you needed was solace to hear this message that continued to be broadcast through you. Something was urging you forward. And so those steps that you took at first were careful until they eventually became needful. And there was something that propelled you, urged you forward. And you began to do things which you hadn't done really since you could remember. You scaled rocks. You walked through knee deep water. You went where this medallion pulled you because the voice inside your head said that if, if you would just bring the medallion to them, that they would be willing to remove that final lodestone that weighed you down. Let the lodestone pre present from your family. Take your pick, your brother, your half-brother, your father. All of those weights 
pale in comparison to this weight. This weight is a personal one, and it's one you feel at the core of your being. You've only once felt truly that it was lifted. You felt that in the clock tower you were finally yourself. Perhaps in the fleeting moments between you and Ileana, you may have felt it lifted enough to breathe. But ever since then, the constant reminder has been is that you are not truly awake yet. Part of you still sleeps. It is still crushed under the weight and malaise of a world which refuses to bend to allow you to exist. It's a difficult weight. It's one you've bore for far too long. And so the promise of simply giving up this medallion in exchange for it seems a a trifle thing for you at this point. And when you finally look up in this cave that you find yourself in, the water around you surging through several of the passageways, you realize that the light that you had at one point, the torch is gone. There is something that is allowing you to see the rock formations around you, to read the pits and crags and all of the different stonework here. There is no source of that light. It is something that comes from somewhere else. The medallion, the silver, beautiful medallion you hold, the one that keeps you warm, the one that fought off the Bora, that must be it. It doesn't illuminate at all. It is simply a disc. But this cavern you find yourself in, there is a passageway ahead. There is a passage far off to the left. You can see those and read those as if, well, as if the light of day were still among, somehow found down here. Well, obviously, I was meant to be here, so that makes perfect sense. What do, what do I see? Symbols? Well, the symbols within the, within the disc are the ones that you looked at earlier and were still a bit fuzzy on, but, but some of them now are coming to form. Some of them are coming to clarity. They seem to be made in edification to a, a being that walked the earth in ancient times. Tall, strong, feared. One who walked on the wind and through legends. A force of the very earth which it inhabits. A force from the north. You don't see it named here, or it may be that there are inscriptions on this which you cannot yet understand. Well, my experience in the clock tower was fire, and this seems to be air. They go together just fine, don't they? It's like it was meant to be. Certainly. One could read it like that. One, like yourself, might feel it a comfort to do so. Not that you're interested in the analysis portion to this point. What you want is the lodestone removed, the key used, the lock finally turned and opened. Hmm. And it's a feeling I'm rather loath to think about giving up. So I'm going to keep going. And I don't think I'm even thinking about the others at this point. Like, 
they can take care of themselves. It's fine. And I don't think it's even crossed my mind that Mr. Fraser's probably worried out of his mind. It's just, oh, he'll, he'll be fine. I'll find them later. I've got things to do. More important things. Yes, you urge your body forward along these rocks. And you walk through a very small passageway. One which is very tight. You know, you have to slide through. You feel the the rocks scrape your clothing, pull and pick at the edges of the fabric. Some of it's get some of it gets caught. You feel the tearing of clothing, although it doesn't particularly bother you. And you notice something keenly there in the middle of that passageway. You haven't really bothered much in the recent steps with using your cane at all. It's been in your hand as necessary, but it simply has not been necessary. Whatever has taken hold of of your perceptions or of your will is not interrupting the signals that your legs are supposed to feel. That seems to me to indicate even more that I'm on the right path for me, being able to move properly without it slowing me down or having to consciously think about each step, especially after exertions like climbing, which it still surprises me that I was able to do, but not surprises too much. It's just another indication is all. Yeah, you try to think about it, and the nice part about that is at this juncture, it's very easy to not think about it because you're feeling what you're supposed to be feeling, which is well within your abilities to exert, you finally have control over that, those portions of your own form. And it's exhilarating in some senses as well. It's sort of what urges you forward. And after a time through this thin passageway, you do something you cannot remember doing since you were, well, likely since you were a smaller child. And that is you get down because you have to on your hands and knees and crawl through a passageway. It almost feels like when you touch the walls here with your palms, when that smooth rock comes up against your body, that there's almost something spongy about it. It's a little softer, almost cushiony. It's unexpected, but it's not unwelcome. It's almost as if the the passageway is assisting you with transitioning to this next area. As if even the stonework is making it easier on you. Reminds me of when I was about seven and I found the, the priest hole in Maple Brook from way back when. This little hidey hole where they would hide the priest's. Uh, during Cromwell's time. And I found it on my own exploring. It was very small, but I remember crawling in and then bringing blankets in and just hiding out there whenever I didn't want mother to complain about getting my knees dirty or father to find me with any of his books. Just crawling into there and being comfortable until I couldn't, until my body wouldn't let me do it anymore. The next astounding thing that happens is when you get to the other side of the passageway, you 
you breach that final portion and you are able to, without difficulty, stand up. And you realize very intently how how much you've gone through on a daily basis, in some cases, just to stand physically. And it's a joyous sensation. The, the medallion in your right hand seems to thrum with some sort of energy. And this space beyond is large. The cavern is, well, only because you have the ability to see it. The cavern is 70, maybe 80 feet wide, just as deep. It's a huge expanse of space. And in the middle, there's a a large hill with some sort of rock edifice there. And somewhere there, there seems to be a center of this voice, this surge of energy that continues to flow through you to draw that medallion closer. And you feel a voice say in your mind, you, you hear its articulated language wrap through your brain and say, yes, bring us the fuck. And you shall have what we can offer. And the, the toughest part for your brain to understand here is that it's it's the the voices are are pluraled. And so it comes through in, in this oddly warped stereo sound. Where are you? We're on the hill. Come Alright. So between you and the hill, Lady Elizabeth, there is a deep pool of water. It surrounds the entirety of this rock face. The rock is almost like a tiny island here in the center of the chamber. And there is a reasonably large pool of water that surrounds it. You're no you're not terribly sure how deep it is either. Well, I don't think that bothers me too much. And I've done impossible things already and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I, I don't believe in God, but I believe in fate. And, well, haven't been swimming since I was 11, but I'm sure they'll give me give me a hand if I need it. So I'm just going to go. And so you go. As you continue, I guess I would ask then, are you beelining directly for the hill through the water? Or are you trying to find at least some easier path, some less watery portion to, to get you closer? I don't think it crosses my mind to find an easier path. I've just gone straight through all the way to here. So just going to go straight. Okay. You head straight. And as you do, you enter, you get ready to enter the water. And you can feel a, a force almost trying to pull you back from making it to them. You feel a wind pick up through and howl through this cave system and you feel your dress and things begin to flutter around almost as if something maybe even some other external force is trying to prevent you from making it into the water it's probably just old what's his face the ghosty one it's fine the medallion keeps me from feeling the cold anyway so if you are going to push forward 
I'm going to have you make a power roll, and you'll need a hard success to do so. All right. So, power of 70, and I rolled a 26. Okay. You begin to push forward. As you push forward, you feel your your chest and your neck get very warm, uncomfortably warm. And then you notice just here in the darkness, because there is some still darkness in here for you, you notice that this, this glint on your right arm, you get a sheen of moisture that covers it. And it begins to pull its way rapidly up towards the medallion. And you can begin to feel the medallion get warm. Is it an unpleasant feeling or just warmth? Um, I would say it's beginning to get unpleasant. Hmm. Well, I'll just grit my jaw a little bit and keep pushing. Okay. You bear down and uh, you can continue to make your way into the water now at a point about, we'll say mid, about mid shin height. The amulet lights on fire and you are now holding a burning flaming medallion in front of you as you move through the water so I will deal you a point of damage as you're holding it and it's at this point the other investigators have begun to enter the cavern and they now see far away a figure which could be robed could be someone definitely humanoid which for them is a little concerning too Uh, they see a figure at one end of this cave system in the water with a flaming disc in their hand and undeniably Miss Bellinger you know exactly what that is someone is making that trade without you Mr. Fraser, you you have to you have to stop her. She could be in danger. Can I see um, approximately how far away is this figure? Well, I would say the figure from you. So the cavern's about eighty feet across. Yeah, and there's this. Are they headed towards the center of it? Yeah, to they are. They're heading. So as you enter the cavern, they're on your. They would be on as you looked right. Right. So coming in through a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they've come in through a a different direction. And they're probably, by water, I would say, they're probably a third of the way into this watery area. And so from you, they're probably about 60 feet or so, because they're at a diagonal angle. Right, okay, so they're almost almost kind of opposite, on the opposite side, or roughly. Yeah, yeah, we'll say that they're off at a right, to your right at an angle. Can I, from this distance, make out who this is? Can I tell from what they're wearing who it is? Well, the... <laughs> the burning amulet isn't exactly torchlight. Um, and you you all have some of your own lighting, but it's not going to reach that far. And so what James would be able to make out, and he is very sharp-eyed. Uh, so I suppose I would give you all a hard spot hidden roll to determine whether or not the figure was a robed cultist who you'd seen, many of whom you'd seen recently, or... Lady Elizabeth. Okay. You definitely know she went in this direction. I have my uh, revolver in hand reloaded as well, so just in case. I'll make a spot hidden. 
Nice. Mr. Fraser, what are you waiting for? I can imagine. Maggie does. Maggie only waits a moment before charging off. Miss Ballinger, wait. That is not a hard spot hidden. That's just a normal spot hidden. But I will spend the two points of luck that I think I require in order to make that a hard spot hidden. All right, then. You spend a little luck, and sure enough, that's not. That's that's not a a robe. That's a dress. Your lady, your ladyship. Wait, wait, Miss Ballinger. Don't go. Don't, don't head for the center. Stay, stay around the uh, outside. If you're going anywhere, don't go. Don't go into the center. Maggie knows that the quickest way between two points is a straight line. Yes, and that's the way she's running. And in that case, Fraser is going to go and try and curtail her and say, "Stick to the outside. Stick to the periphery." So I'm going to have all of our, I'm going to have our non, our non Lady Elizabeth investigators make me a spot, a general spot hidden roll, things that they would also see. Um, But for you, Lady Elizabeth, because of all the trials and tribulations that you've been through, some of them off camera now, some of them on, I'm going to have you make a sand roll to um, continue doing what you're doing. Well, you know, I'm just thinking of the fire in the bell tower. It's totally fine. My sanity is still 68. Yeah, and I rolled a 59, so pretty close. Okay, so uh, it is going to cost you two points of sanity to have gone through this as extra ordinary or territorial beings have been speaking through your brain to you and, and prompting you on. Um, the, the sanity loss just really comes from revelations as you stand here, your fingertips now burning with a silver medallion that's, that's you know, flaming red hot that, oh, uh... Wait, who's been talking to me? So, Simon, what's uh, what kind of spot hidden do you have there? Well, Simon doesn't see anything with a 92 over 51. Ooh, yeah, no. Okay, uh, you see Miss Bellinger running off. You see Fraser running off, screaming after Lady Elizabeth. Um, so I will ask then, Mr. Fraser, what do you have for your additional spot hiddens? Well, I'd like to make something quite clear. Number one, I'm not screaming. Um, I am calling in a calm and considered, considered uh, deliberate manner. Uh, number two, I'm not running off after Lady Elizabeth. I'm grabbing hold of Miss Bellinger. Ooh, I like that. Some fun grappling ahead. Preventing her from charging uh, into the uh, into the, the jaws of nightmare. Yep. I always knew you'd conspire against me with her. Well, you were right. Yeah, that's a normal success. 58 under 86. Okay. So there are definitely other people here in this cave. And you're now picking it up um, that that there are other shadows. There are other silhouettes here in this cave system. It's not just you here, James. There are others. I mean, I'm not massively surprised, to be honest. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to um, grab Maggie and... Uh, prevent her but maybe grab her by the arm and prevent her from charging into the into the center and try and keep her to the outside quite happy for her to come in the same direction as me which is towards lady elizabeth but not uh, running right into the center of where this kind of hill is and other other people that i can see are they on the hill or are they kind of uh, around and about in the water um, they're in the water your uh your keeper is going to show you a map very shortly goodness me i know right not an exact setup, of course, uh, but uh, this would do. Okay, so uh, Miss Bellinger, your spot hidden roll. Yeah, my spot hidden roll was a 25 under 48. Okay. 
So you definitely see that there are other people, but I'm not sure that you care enough, honestly, given what you're after. The, the people that are here are the ones that are going to give me the body part, obviously. You, you begin to make a beeline. So if this is going to be a contested situation, what, I'll, what I will ask is, um, is for Miss Bellinger's decks versus uh, Mr. Mr. Fraser's decks, which one is higher? Well, mine is an 85. Well, Nike's is higher than mine is 60. Okay, so she'd act first, and then I guess we, we could make con rolls and just go right into a chase scene, but I feel like, you know, that might be too much fun. No, it's fine. We can do that. So why don't you both give me con rolls? Because um, you're obviously chasing one another. A uh, 55 over 45. Uh, 21 under 85. Miss um, Bellinger, what's your move? A uh, 8. All right, Mr. Fraser. My move rate is 7. Yeah, okay, so act on decks. Um, then if um, if Miss uh, if Miss Bellinger's running, she's gonna run her move, and I will I will move her one two four. She get a full move running through water? Nope. She gets that. That's what she gets. She gets about four. She gets about half move running through water. How deep is the water? At this point, shin level now. Okay. And uh, Miss Bellinger's not the tallest person either, but we'll see. Uh, and Fraser, you are, uh, of course, running after her. I am running after her, just attempting to keep her from getting too close to this island in the middle. Okay, fair enough. Um, you are closing. Wait, Miss Ballinger, your ladyship, your ladyship, hold on, wait for us. She's trying to get the body part before I can. What? Um, I would ask Lady Elizabeth, what's your move? My move is eight. Okay, so... Given the fact that you're moving against a uh, unseen force and you're moving through water, it's a total of two. <laughs> so you get right there. As that is happening as well, there are some people who are beginning to fold in also very slowly in hopes of doing Lord knows what. What do these people look like? Well, it's funny you should ask. Um, so the people to your direct right appear in long, dark robes, many of them similarly um, scarred by some grotesque growths and differences in the flesh. It's almost as if parts of their body have been patchworked together. Very similar to some of the men that you saw enter through the outside, which you attempted to, and so uh, easily so, dealt with. Okay. Lady Elizabeth, you would be the first one to see really the people on the far side here. And so these gentlemen who are closing in on you all wear very similar red fezes. Well, we can't have that. If the moves continue as they are, as you get deeper into the water, both of you, it will eventually devolve into swim checks because the water does get that deep. I'm fine with that. Okay, I would like you both to make swim checks. And that also means you, Lady Elizabeth, will be making a swim check as well. Oh, God. I went to the country club a lot. I can swim. Oh, I'm just going to spend three points of luck and make that a success. Because I got a 23 over 20. Okay. You move one square. Mr. Fraser can swim just about as well as anyone. But today he's floundering somewhat. That's at 80 over 20. Maggie rolled a 65 over 35. Maggie wants to push the roll, though. Really? So so tell me, Miss Bellinger, how would you push the swim roll? 
I'm swimming in a lot of clothes. You are, you are indeed. You are in swimming in a lot of clothes. And so that could potentially um, restrict you or weigh you down. And so how would you remedy that? Maggie will remove a layer because it's it's really it's hard you're in a dress it sucks swimming in a dress she's got to get rid of it okay so you're going to remove your dress to swim in your undergarments mm-hmm. and then um kick the shoes off oh all righty yeah i say go for it i think that's reasonable lord knows i've never swimmed in a dress but if i had i'm sure it would be very difficult and um, just before before Maggie rolls a push roll, if Mr. Fraser sees that Miss Ballinger is getting away from him, he will also push his roll. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to also take off your dress. <laughs> if I was wearing a dress, then maybe I would. All right, fair enough, uh, Mr. Fraser. Push your roll, and, and Miss Ballinger, push your roll, and we'll see what happens. Oh, I'm so nervous. I've never been more nervous for a roll. I rolled a 70. Did you now? I'm going to push my roll. So Miss Ballinger is not getting away from me. Nonetheless, I am, Mr. Fraser sees this as an opportunity to catch up with her and grab hold of her by uh, her. Oh, my goodness me. She's revealed her ankle. And he rolled a 12. <laughs> Fantastic. So you see this as an amazing opportunity to to catch up to Miss Bellinger. Miss Bellinger, you begin taking off your dress it, and kicking off your shoes, it does not go as well as you were hoped. You become tangled up in the, the fabric itself. You're not really sure which layer is which. Uh, and so you begin to sink. And so uh, next round, we'll likely um, we'll probably have to do something I've not done in a while, which is reference the drowning rules. Well, I think with, with, if, if I can use my successful push roll to catch up with her and try and prevent her from drowning, that is what I will do. I think you can attempt to prevent her from drowning next round. What I'd like to know is what Simon is doing, because he's not yet moved in two rounds. Simon is taking one of the 10-foot poles we referenced last session and is wading into the water, using it the pole to check for depth. He is not does not have a weapon at the ready because he doesn't see any other figures besides Lady... E, which he's not familiar if it's Lady E, but he sees Maggie and Fraser, so he's waiting in their direction slowly to see if they need help, but he's not moving fast. So I don't think he'd be in dex rounds. He's just moving in their direction while making sure of the depth. Okay. So I can give you half move. I think it's actually a really intelligent thought. So using that pole that you you used on the way here, you find that if you carefully move to the side here, you, you could probably get within a pretty easy sort of shallower space and sort of draw yourself along this line here to get to the center rock area, if that's where you're planning on heading. Uh, I think so, because that'll put me closer to Maggie for sure and the other robe figure that I can see. Uh, I do still have my pistol in my pocket, but as I said, otherwise I don't have a weapon ready. I don't have the Thompson ready. It's just slung on my back. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, because you're not seeing any threats necessarily, so you think it's a walk at the park. How are these uh, creepy fuckers getting on with their swimming as well? Do they seem to be quite comfortable in the water? They do not. Actually, not all of them. So a couple of them actually are very apt swimmers, it seems. It looks, you can't really tell what type of swimming motion they're doing but they seem to be moving pretty quickly uh they're at this rate they will likely catch lady elizabeth 
Lady Elizabeth has seen the befezed figures. And so the only thing she can think to do, because she's not super fast, is she's going to ask the voices in her mind if they can help her get there faster. <laughs> that That's that's her, her idea. Since they seem to be helping. They want her there, so... Okay. What's your strength, Lady Elizabeth? Oh, not very good. 35. It's <laughs> my lowest stat. Okay. Why don't you give me a opposed strength roll? Oh, boy. Ooh, 19. Okay. I have a hard success. Make it hard. Make it hard. Oh, no, no, you're going to need to be extreme. You're going to be to beat it and you're going to need, unless it's got a crappy strength. Up to you. If you want to go ahead and do that. Uh, what's one-fifth of 35? Seven. So I'd need to spend 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's important to her, so. Okay. Extreme success. So, uh, you are going to move two spaces rather than one then, as something otherworldly takes hold of you. Um, and this is not at all pleasant. It's physically unnerving, and I- I'll just put it like this. Um, the um, sort of tawdry time you had with some ghosts recently, it's similar to that, except... It's different. It's like it's like some some massive hand or multi-limbed appendage grabs hold of you and sort of pulls you and all of its appendages wrap around you at the same time. So it's it's a very disconcerting feeling like someone picked up their little dolly and they're going to move it. That's sort of like the the action that you get and it pulls you from essentially the breastbone forward. So you sort of like you know <laughs> flaccid limbed move forward 10 feet and there's a deep and unsettling groan that comes from the middle of the rock it is not pleasant to hear and so you'll make a sanity roll now of course 48 under 66 you are good that's just a really creepy noise does that affect the rest of us? Do we hear that um, strange groaning noise, or is that just Lady Elizabeth? Oh, no, sir. That's just her. Okay. If you'd like to commune mentally with a spirit from the for another world, then you would hear it, too. Nah, you're alright. Cheers. Uh, so, Miss Bellinger, you go head over heels, essentially. So, your idea, Maggie, when you swim forward, is to sort of swim out of your dress, Right. You, 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 like any good swimmer, go down into the water, right, to get that that buoyancy, that, that fluidity that being inside water gives you. And your plan was to sort of push out of your dress because it's an absolute bother. And you absolutely 100% push out of your dress and your undergarments. And you get sort of wrapped up in the additional fabric that's here. And are now in this deep cavern in your complete birthday suit with the suit around you because it's still there. And I'm going to have you make a con roll to see how much water you drink in. 72. Okay. So I'm going to say breathing water is a D6. Very good. Ooh, take six damage, Miss Bellinger. You take a big mouthful of water in. And now I'm going to give... Mr. Fraser, the opportunity to save you as he is essentially right on top of you in the water. And you can see this splashing and and movement down below. You can see that 
There's something down there. This is obviously where she's gone underwater, Mr. Fraser. Is she in a state of disabilable? Uh, unfortunately, given the lack of light, you're not sure. Oh, well, in that case, I see nothing for it but to take a, a deep breath and uh, plunge down into the murky depths in order to uh, rescue Miss Ballinger from a watery grave. Quite right. With my 20 points in skill. <laughs> I will spend six points of luck. I just rolled a 26. Ooh, fantastic. You dive down and you are pushing through the water and pushing through. Oh, there's you, you can you, you're trying to grab her, Fraser, and you can feel her dress. But what you can't really get a solid grab on is the is the form. And you reach out and you grab Miss Bellinger and you grab a rather a rather large portion of her hindquarters when you do so. And you do not feel dress or undergarments attached to it. But you've got her for as long as your brain will let you hold her. I think I might have to make a constitution roll because I suspect if I realize that I'm grabbing hold of a, a nude lady, then it might give him a something of a shock. Yeah, I think that it's totally reasonable for you to make not a con roll, I think a power roll. This would be willpower for you to overcome having touched a, uh, a naked woman. I mean, I'm tempted to ask for a bonus die. You know, I think you'd be well, you'd be within rights to to ask for a bonus die. Uh, so I'll give you one. All right, then. Grab hold of the lady, and uh, I will attempt to uh, um, drag her uh, towards the surface again, so that she can breathe air. And that is thanks to a bonus die. That is a successful power roll. You manage to do the next portion of this uh, movement that you know you need to, and that is to reach down and use your other arm to curl basically around their stomach and propel yourself back up to the surface. And you break the waterline. And Miss Bellinger, as, as naked as she was the day she was born. Maggie, air arrives. And not a moment too soon. Maggie spurting, coughing up water. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, unbeknownst to everyone else, Simon is calmly making his way <laughs> over onto the island, having, you know, not shed any clothes or not being, you know, connected to a supernatural uh, events, pulling him close to the island. Although, sir, I am going to have you make me a power roll. And it has nothing to do with naked Maggie. That is a fail. It is not a fumble, though. It's only a 93. Okay. So I'm going to take two points of sanity from you. And the reason why I'm doing so is you're going to hear in your right ear a voice that is one you've heard before. And it is very direct and also very purposeful. And it says, you're about out of time. I'm trying as fast as I can, sir. I can pay you also on alcohol if you'd like a little. And Simon's thinking, I hope I can get some alcohol off James or Richard or something because I don't carry any. Um, the spirit says, alcohol, you drink milk. We both know that. I can get you some. The spirit speaks up and says, I tell you what, you get to the top of this rock. You deal with all the other vermin in this cavern and we'll call it even. Vermin? I don't see anything. Can you give me a little lat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Your eyes feel like suddenly they're on fire. And you see a, a huge rock face in front of you. 
And then deeper beyond that, silhouettes of people moving in the darkness, same as you'd seen before. And your eyes, burning hot as they are, suddenly see very well in the dark. So Simon sees all this. I do have a question for you right now, since um, the, my eyes are lit up. Do Can I discern Lady E now as what she is, as opposed to the robed figure? So you would be able to if you had proper line of sight on Lady Elizabeth, but she's moved. There's a couple of levels to the rocks here. And so she's just a little bit beyond your perception line. But when I do have line of sight, I will be able to differentiate, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to slowly make my way up the top of the rock. And since I cleared the jam on the Thompson, I'm going to load in my extra clip or drum, as the case may be. It's drum, yeah. And uh, be prepared once I get to the top to start turkey shooting. Alrighty. So, because I think it's fun, and this is what fun is all about. um, Mr. Fraser, when you make it back to the surface of the water, what what would you say your first reaction will be to do? Um, I think the first thing I want to do is try and prevent Maggie from going under the water again. Clearly, she's in uh, a state of of some distress. She's got no clothes on, which is what the fuck, but nevertheless, I want to try and try and get her to shallower water so that she can stand up. So I think probably getting back towards the edge of the, the cavern, I don't want to go into the center. Okay. I don't know if I can see that Simon's already managed to get into the center. Um, given your successful previous spot hidden roll, I would say that when you break water, the water surface, once you're sort of got your you know, your head about you for a moment and you're, you're trying to make sure that she's stable, you would see Simon climbing the rock face and you'd likely see that he is preparing something in his, like, he's working on something. Uh, it is likely some sort of weapon. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll, I'll, my, what I imagine is happening is that, that it's, that there is some confusion around and I don't really have a chance to um, really do anything about this. I'll maybe catch a glance of him. But, Maggie is probably thrashing about in the water. I'm trying to um, prevent her from going under again. Um, so I think I, I'm, I'm just going to have to not do anything about the fact that Simon's in, in the centre, which is yeah really concerning to me. But right now, I'm, my my um, my whole attention has to be focused on Maggie. It, it does, and it would be if it wasn't for your eyes seeing Lady Elizabeth being pulled against her will closer to the rock and and as you as you see that it, it it hits you in your core you can tell that she's seemingly physically fighting something that is drawing her up out of the water as as if you know, a child was playing with a, a doll and and removing it from the water you can see that her her legs and her arms are a little a little slack she's fully conscious you can tell that for sure because she's holding on to a flaming fucking medallion mm. But she's she is being carried away by something, and it does not look right at all. Yeah, I think there is definitely a conflict in Fraser's mind 
because he knows how dangerous it is here. Well, he's he he, he is making an assumption that uh, this is a very dangerous situation based on Winkleman's diary and what he's read in Winkleman's diary. Whether or not there's any actual truth in that is um, kind of debatable. But given how close he is to the um, to that little island in the in the centre of, uh, of of the the pool here in the cavern. I think there's probably a moment's thought goes through his head and then against his better judgment to some extent um, he is going to uh, try and reach the centre because at the very least it will be dry land. Then I suppose it is likely and I won't speak for her because she can speak for herself, Miss Bellinger you don't want to go back to shore either you want to reach the island. No! Yeah, I have to stop Lady Elizabeth and get the medallion and stop her from making a trade that's my trade. All right, then. So if the two of you are going to, say, swim in the same direction, are you are you trying to swim away from Mr. Fraser, or are you going to continue to use his his strong arm of support to, to move closer? If he is getting me in the direction I'm wanting to go, then I will allow him to assist me. Okay. I think I don't think Mr. Fraser knows anything about life-saving techniques, but he's probably trying to um, uh, hold Maggie's head above water and s- maybe skull with his other hand and just try and get to the, the closest thing that he can grab hold of. Yeah, so once she gets above water and she coughs uh, a little bit, you're able to make a little traction forward. Her legs continue to kick underneath you, which is supremely helpful. And it's supremely helpful. The two of you aren't fighting which direction you're going. So that's, again, helpful. And James, you reach just as the at the end of this portion of your round, you reach a place where you can actually put your foot down and you feel rock underneath you as uh, you get close to the island. In that case, I will do that and I will try and get up onto um, some sort of solid ground as quickly as I can. And once I think it's uh, safe to do so, I will let go of um, Maggie and... Uh, I think the first thing he'll probably do is take his jacket off to <laughs> give to Maggie to cover her modesty. Understood. Very good. All right, Lady Elizabeth, you are now that much closer to the island to the point where your feet bump against some of the rocks and some of the initial incline of these these rocks. Um, the fire that was surrounding the medallion cools and then evaporates into smoke. You can smell the light singe of the flesh of your fingertips. And even as you adjust just slightly, you can feel them, feel that first layer of skin pull away. It is uncomfortable, but you finally get your footing on this island. And there is that same energy that has been in your brain now, sending you messages, pulling you closer that it is beginning to radiate from inside of you. You can feel that that just internal thrum is now in sequence and in time. It has been off time, it has been closer to time, and now it is in sync, and it is a, a captivating feeling. Well, time to get up that hill then. You begin moving up the hill, and you can perceive, feel that there are beings here outside of your perceptions somehow you may not be able to see them with your eyes but there there are things that are here there's also 
an, an awful lot of objects here. You see chests, crates, barrels. You see just random objects on the ground. It feels like a like a treasure hoard that's been dumped here. Or maybe some pirate at once used this for a, a place to stash important baubles. But you walk amongst them, small statuary pieces, somewhat molded picture frames, all sorts of objects litter the ground here. And you know that this medallion is meant to be here along with them. Do I feel a particular pull in any direction to, to put it, or do I see a figure to give it to? You don't see a figure to give it to, but as you make your way up this small, almost really just tiny footpath that goes, wraps back up towards the top of this hill, there's something that's drawing you up to the, the, the precipice, the, the peak of this hill. You know intently that whatever lodestone you have left to finally release is there. It has to happen there. So that's where I'm going. Okay. Not paying attention to anything else around me, just really focused. I'm so close. You are indeed so, so very close. So, Maggie, you're handed a jacket. Am I? I mean, if you want it. Because I feel like he hands the jacket and Maggie is already off again. Fantastic. (laughs) Running to try to (laughs) tackle Lady Elizabeth. Yep. So uh, true to her her character, Mr. Fraser, when you offer this young lady your jacket, she offers you a view of her backside as she moves away. Uh, Miss Ballinger, wait, wait. Don't you remember? If you don't have the amulet, you're not protected. It's like trying to put a leash on a loose dog. <laughs> Kinda. Uh, so I would like Simon and Maggie to make climb rolls as they are trying to get further up. They're taking a little bit less clear of a route, and so they need to have a little assistance from their skills. The 31 over 20. Miss Bellinger, the Hand of Fate is going to make that a success. Good, I don't have to spend. You are able to make it to about here. Simon? That's actually a 14 under 20. Ooh, very good. Um, So you begin a climb that will eventually next round lead you to what is essentially one of the higher platforms of this space. It's going to take you another round, but it will also save you basically two to three rounds of going around. Your uh, shortcut there has proved most useful. And you even have the assistance technically, I suppose, of the 10-foot pole. So there's that as well. Be that as it may, as you continue up, Lady Elizabeth, you are not at all blind to the fact that there are others on this path. And right about as you're going to make this turn left, from the water, two fezzed gentlemen step out. And they are intent on interdicting your path. Is there a way to climb up to the next level without having to go past them? Uh, There is. So you could attempt to what is essentially climb up this this rise um, and uh, and hopefully make it to the next level. Well, my uh, big gay dice have been very kind to me so far tonight. So and they are kind again with a 13 under 20. 
All right, so you spend your entire action essentially climbing up. This movement you feel in your hips. This is an unkind pain that you you do not wish in any way, shape, or form. Um, it does get you up and over, and those men are on your heels very quickly thereafter. Mr. Fraser, I would like to know, given the current state of affairs, what your plan of attack is. Okay, well, it seems to me that both Maggie and Simon have uh, completely ignored uh, the uh, warning that we were given about how dangerous it is um, around here if you don't have the amulet. However, um, I'm assuming that from my angle, I can now see that there are lots of men with fezes descending upon her ladyship. Yes. And given my uh, my uh, priority system, I am going to make as best speed as I possibly can over to protect her. Okay, so you have a couple of routes available to you. You could go the climb route that Maggie went, and that that's that's afforded to you. You could decide to attempt to to slide around the front of this facing here, and end up something like that, so where you can see more of them. I think you're an intelligent man who would likely know that if you took a more direct path here, and then maybe used your overall size to climb up the rest, you might be able to meet Lady Elizabeth here uh, at the, the, the peak of that um, ramp that sort of comes this way. I think um, what I'd like to do is get as fast as I can to a position where um, I can use my handgun to uh, prevent these uh, these gentlemen wearing fezzes from doing any harm to her ladyship. Now, I'm assuming that they do mean her harm, but I wonder if it's possible for me to tell from um, their um, body language, from the expressions on their faces, whether they do seem to be um, intent on uh, preventing her from doing whatever it is she's doing here, but uh, not in a friendly manner. Yeah, I suppose uh, right now they're, they seem to be coming after her. So it's likely that you would assume, at least I think, that, that they are going to do her, attempt to do her harm. But um, you would also be keenly aware that these two from the uh, two different sort of, <laughs> the two different special clubs, they're beginning to come together and they're beginning to fight too. Okay. So I think given that situation... Fraser's going to try and make some sort of a tactical assessment as to how he can best cause these two different factions to fight against each other and therefore limit the number of opposing forces we have against us. But I think um, bearing in mind the positioning, uh, the best he can do really is just to to, um, kind of scramble round and up to get some sort of a vantage point as quickly as he can to um, make some sort of um, offensive action towards the, the guy with the fez who's closest to her ladyship because he looks like he's almost upon her. Yeah, I think a climb roll is the way you're going to get there. Fraser's not exactly built for climbing, but he'll give it a shot. Uh, that's a 57. That is not particularly great. Yeah, it isn't, but I think fate is with you this evening, and so the hand of fate will make it a success, allowing you to get into position. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Hand of Fate. I really do appreciate that. So you take a somewhat circuitous route that puts you close to Miss Bellinger, but also 
essentially at an elevated position as Lady Elizabeth is now coming up this walkway towards you. And that's when you really get the gravity of the situation, Mr. Fraser. You see how many people are here and you don't have enough bullets in your revolver for it at this point. Hopefully I won't need them. Hopefully they'll take care of each other to some extent. Maggie, I would like you to give me on on your dex round, give me a spot hidden. That's a 80 over 48. Right. There is something that you do not notice. I guess on your action, then what, uh, what would you be preparing to do? Rush towards Lady Elizabeth and snatch the medallion out of her hand. Okay. So Lady Elizabeth, as you're coming up the walkway to this momentous occasion towards you, you see in one moment, James Fraser appear at the top of the hill. And you can see that he's sort of getting an assessment. He's waterlogged. He's he's not at all in his regular <laughs> regular state. And then, like a cannonball, out from under his like left side, a nude and dripping wet Margaret Bellinger comes barreling towards you. And that is where I'm going to call this session to a close. So thank you so much for joining us on this um, waterlogged and yet um, exciting adventure through Horror on the Orient Express. We greatly appreciate your listening ears. Thank you and good night.